What's up, everybody? Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast with your host, Aaron Dante, who brings you the hottest interviews with the dopest people sharing their experiences all across the world. Now, here's your host, Aaron Dante. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I want to thank all the listeners who have been supporting me for the last two and a half years. Thank you so much for listening. And to all the new listeners who have just joined, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. It's been a labor of love, and I'm so excited that you guys are listening and you're sharing with your friends. The numbers have been amazing this month, and we just keep on pushing and keep on pushing. Thank you so much for everything. I want to thank my sponsors who have been there for me. You know, supporting me, helping me out with the marketing. Thank you to my team and my family, for everybody who's been supporting the No Pixar Dark podcast, okay? And folks, we have a great show for you. I can't wait for you to listen. At Fishnet, every plate served starts with the freshest, high-quality fish sourced from local waters whenever possible. You get fine dining excellence delivered in a cozy, unpretentious, fast casual setting. Delicious does not even begin to describe it. Everything I've tried is made from scratch and incredible. The best fish I've ever had. Check them out for lunch or dinner at Mount Vernon Marketplace. Get caught in the fishnet. You'll be glad you did. Menu and details at eatfishnet.com. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Hi, everyone. It's Amber, your neighborhood urban designer. Today, I want to talk about not urban design, um, about an amazing organization called iMentor. As you could probably guess, iMentor is a mentoring program, and their me- their mission is to help build mentoring relationships that empower first-generation students to graduate high school, succeed in college, and achieve their ambitions. So iMentor recruits thousands of volunteers each year who commit to a high school student in a low-income community for at least three years. And iMentor was started... Uh, at one school in the South Bronx, and they now serve over 10,000 students at 51 different schools uh, across the U.S. in New York City, Chicago, the San Francisco Bay Area, and now Baltimore. So Baltimore is their most recent location, and they started in 2019 at the Baltimore Design School and the ACE School. And I was part of their inaugural class when I signed up to be a mentor uh, for the Baltimore Design School. I had already been connected um, to the Baltimore Design School just as an architect because they have an architecture focus track. And so when I heard about the iMentor opportunity, it sounded like a perfect fit. So the program starts when students are in 11th grade and ensures that every single 11th grader is paired with a one-on-one mentor who then sticks with them through 11th grade, through 12th grade, and um, through their first year in college or or post high school. And the goal is that iMentor recruits college educated mentors in order to help uh, prepare students for the transition to life after high school and ideally college. Although we know that, especially with the rising cost of tuition, that um, that college is not for everyone, um, but there's certainly a strong focus. And so um, I was very blessed to be paired with my wonderful, wonderful mentee, Nia. And she is passionate about nursing 
and um, I found that out um, when we first met. And even though she was uh, studying architecture at the Baltimore Design School, she had uh, such a care and thoughtfulness towards other people um, that she wanted to go into nursing. And so um, we did a lot of coaching. iMentor has uh, designed sessions once a month. And so mentors commit to an in-person meeting once a month and then a check-in with their mentee at least once a week, but um, usually multiple times a week. And um, the wonderful thing about iMentor is that they provide tons of content and structure, and um, it really makes it very easy for the mentors to have material to build a relationship with their mentee. Um, I was fortunate that my mentee is so wonderful that we we really clicked early on and have had a a really strong relationship from the get-go. And so um, I, I wanted to share this today because it's it's such a wonderful program. It's um, really uh, accessible and uh, reasonable time commitment for working professionals. And they are starting their recruiting season. And so um, I know that they are looking for mentors, especially as we come out of this COVID year. Last year was a really strange year for um, the the incoming mentor and uh, mentee 11th grade class. And so um, I know that they're looking forward to meeting in person. And I know iMentor is looking forward to, to restarting um, with in-person stuff this fall. And so please check it out. Um, they are always looking for mentors. They're especially looking for male mentors. Um, so if you are a uh, man and you are interested in this opportunity, please reach out to them. Um, they, they pair every single 11th grader and they pair... Um, they pair by gender, so females together and males together. So um, they are almost always short some male mentors and uh, could really use some extra hands in that realm. So um, check them out. And uh, I hope that some of you listening will become mentors and I will meet you soon. Pipe Wrench is a new online magazine. You'll find links to conversation pieces, playlists, essays, poems, and more by folks from all walks of life responding to the ideas, the main feature. Each issue is like a dinner party, full of thoughtful, fascinating people inspiring each other to build on each other's work, references, and ideas. You can read more from Pipe Wrench and subscribe online at www.pipewrenchmag.com. Greetings, everyone. My name is Chamara E. Fleming, but you can call me Mai. And I'm the host of the Purple Charm Experience podcast. I'm also a romance author, motivational blogger, and creative. Today, I would like to share with you my quote of the day. Trust the timing of your life. Person whose quote this is unknown. You know, it's important that we trust the timing of our life. Because not everything that we want and need comes at the moment that we want and need it. It comes in the timing that it is supposed to be there. Trust that when it is your time to have what you need to do what you want to do, to go where you want to go, that it will be your time. Timing is everything. We always say that. Timing is everything. But knowing how to be patient, be present, and wait on your time is important. You know, it takes a person who is comfortable with being patient, comfortable waiting and being and doing what they need to do 
in that moment until it's their time. Not everyone has the patience. Not everyone has the ability to do so. Some people rush into situations and things in life without thinking, without planning, without organizing. And you will find when you do those things that you miss the appropriate opportunity for you to capitalize on something that was meant to be yours had you taken the time, had you waited for your time, had it been your time to do so. So my message for you today, if you haven't already guessed it, wait. One day it will be your time. And maybe someone out there needs to hear this today. Whatever it is you're rushing into, whatever it is that you think is supposed to be yours right now because you can't wait to do it because you feel like it's supposed to be yours now, it might not be your time. So give yourself time. Give whatever it is that you want time to show itself as if it's show itself to be yours in due time. If you like quotes like this and you want to hear more of what I have to say about them, please join me by listening to my podcast, The Purple Charm Experience Podcast. I drop a new episode every Wednesday and I'll be happy to have you as a listener. If you want to learn more about me and my books, please visit my website, www.creativecalfaray.com. Thanks, Aaron, and back to you. Visit your neighborhood sanctuary and do wellness for a luxurious experience for everybody. Treat yourself and a loved one with a massage, facial, or an entire day of pampering with our deluxe spa day packages that include lunch from the restaurant next door, fire and rice. For more information on booking or purchasing gift cards, visit their website at indowellness.com or call at 443-438-4048. They look forward to welcoming you and your loved ones to their beautiful new space at Soha Union, located at 4801 Harper Road, Suite 1. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. Today, we have a very, very special guest. Let me tell you, I first found her work on IG. And I was like, this is straight fire. And then I was like, let me just follow her a little bit. And she was like, I have no commissions until 2022. And I was like, damn, she, she busy, you know? So that's what's up. So I was like, let me investigate a little bit further and look at a couple of different things. And I love her portraits. I love what she has going on. She's from Beat Baltimore. And I'm excited to have her on. So without further ado, folks, I know y'all don't want to hear my voice anymore because we got the guy the guest doing. So Miss Erin Fitzpatrick, how are you doing today? Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for having me. Um, I'm doing great. Hey, I appreciate nice you. Summary day. Nope. Nope. It's dark podcast. I really appreciate you taking time out your day. Sure, sure. So tell a bit, so tell the audience a little bit about you. You know, I mean, I found your IG and we spoke a little bit previously before. But tell a little audience about you. Are you from Baltimore originally? I am from Baltimore. Um, I was born here. I grew up in Catonsville. And then I've been in Baltimore City for 21 years. Wow. Okay. Okay. So what was your favorite childhood memory growing up? A Baltimore memory? Yeah, I, would Baltimore. Say I used to really like going to baseball games at Memorial Stadium. 
Um, I was like a dugout club kid. And that's like my most Baltimore associated memory. We'd park at City College and um, bring KFC. That was like the thing we always did. And we'd eat chicken and watch, you know, the old school stadium. And it was, it was fun. I, I love that memory because that was one of my favorite childhood memories growing up. I used to remember going to see Eddie Murray play. Oh, yeah. And I had my peanuts. It was like just an old, it was a really dope feeling going to that stadium. I actually got to paint Eddie Murray and meet him and show him the painting. And it was pretty cool. My, my first childhood hero. That's, that, that's who I was like. He was funny. Him, baseball, you know. That's, the, that's really yeah. cool. That is really yeah. cool. So, was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so tell me about, like, you know, art growing up were you in the art growing up or were you just like eh, is something really cool or was there artists in your family um I was always into art growing up I was kind of like a quiet kid I liked to read a lot and make little drawings and yeah it was always always in me I'd say and there aren't any other artists in my family my sister's kids are super creative um so we when I go over I just visited and I drew a lot of dinosaurs doing unusual things <laughs> and then they color them. So yeah, but uh, no, nobody who does it professionally. Okay. Okay. So where did you end up going to undergrad? I went to MICA, to Maryland Institute College of Art. Um, and then after that, I went, I did a teaching certification program at Towson and uh, I taught high school for art. I taught art at high school for five years. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so like, were you ever, like back in like high school to college, like, did you know you wanted to go to MICA? Was that like your all-time dream? That's where I wanted to go. Or was it kind of like, if I can get in there, cool. If not, I'll go somewhere else. I no. I mean, I applied to, I didn't apply to many schools. Um, I applied to MICA, RISD, Cooper Union, and a school in San Francisco. And, um, I got into all of them except for Cooper Union, and then Micah gave me the biggest scholarship, so I ended up staying home. Hey, that you know what? We go we we go where the money is. I mean, I ain't gonna, <laughs> you know, and I'm not gonna go broke in college, but I get it. Get you know, get go where the money goes. So, yeah. how was it teaching? How was it like for you to teach? Did you enjoy it? How was it? I liked it way more than I thought I would, um, but it's crazy to think about because I was only 24 and I was teaching high school, you know, and like, so I wasn't, now I have friends who are a bigger age gap than me and my students, you know, but, um, and I taught at Lansdowne in Southwest Baltimore County. Um, it was a little bit of a wild school, but I had a good relationship with the kids. I actually liked it a whole lot more than I thought I would. Um, I went into it just as uh I was kind of wild at that time and just to have like benefits a job until I figured out how I was going to make art for a living so it I gave myself a five-year cap and it was scary to not resign my contract because I had it was by that time I was making more money um but I stuck to my plan and and quit at the end of five years nice nice I always ask entrepreneurs this when, when did you realize it was time to move on? Like you said, you, know, you had your five-year plan, but how comfortable were you at that five-year, like, I'm at where I need to be at to go to the next move? Well, I wasn't ready to make money off of art yet, but I think 
to teach and to art, to make art are both jobs that you really have to be fully dedicated to, to really do it. And um, I couldn't really divide myself. I mean, some people are able to do it, but it's hard to really run a business, you know? Um, but I knew that I needed to make that space, you know, by giving up teaching. So I worked in, I bartended um, for years and lots of odd art related jobs, but um, mostly I worked in restaurants as I built up my clients and until I was at a point, I tried in 2013, I was really, really busy with commissions and I quit for like a year and a half. I made my money off of my art, but at that time I hadn't figured into my pricing um, more than painting time and supplies. I didn't think about all the time I spend with clients on phone calls, emails, like all of that stuff. So I was basically working 14 hours a day, seven days a week, and I was still kind of broke. You know, I was so busy, but I hadn't figured out the money structure. So I went back to bartending again until early 2019. So it's been the past two years. Um, I could have left long before that, but that was, I paid off all my debt. I like, you know, I got straight, I got money saved for a year in case anything happens like quarantine, you know, like I did all, <laughs> I did all of that. Um, and man, I felt pretty lucky at the beginning of 2020 when all that hit and I'd gotten that in place the year before. Wow. Wow. That, that, that is, that's wild. I mean, Always, because it's always that moment where it's like, all right, I'm getting out of this. I'm going to go do, I'm going to go after my dreams. This is what I always want to do. And were you like, looking back at it, were you just like, I don't care. I'm just going to go for it. Or you're kind of like, were you nervous? Were you like, I might need to stay one more year teaching? Like, was that in the back of your mind? Or were you like, you know, I'm going to try, try to get the audience to have it. Because I have a lot of people who want to be artists or whatever, want to be creatives. And they're nervous to take that leap. Just give us a little like behind the scenes of mentally, like you said, you had a five-year plan, you jumped to being a bartender, working in bars, but like you had a consistent job, you had healthcare and you're like, I'm, I'm not, I just got to, and I, you, I got to focus on what I love and my passion. I mean, it's, it's always going to be scary when you jump into the unknown and you, you know, you don't know how it's going to go, but do you want to regret not ever trying it, you know? And like, I had to, like, I knew it. I didn't know how I was going to do it. When I quit teaching, I had all, I still owed all my student loans from Micah, you know, like I had credit card debt because things I did in my twenties, you know, and like, I, I had nothing in place. I had nothing saved, but I knew I wasn't going to die. You know, like really those are the things you either go after what you want and if it's going to kill you, maybe you should reconsider. But otherwise, you know, you're going to obviously fail and struggle and, you know, and then you learn something and then you try it a different way. And eventually, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, five years ago, I couldn't have pictured where I am right now. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, just, I don't know. It's weird because now I paint commissions and I feel like that is almost getting even though it's the same subject matter, it feels different than personal work. So that almost feels like a job. I mean, it is a job. It is what I do. It's my career, you know, but it doesn't necessarily always feel like I can't get as weird. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't necessarily feel like um, something I might do. Like I have to go on vacation to make art. You know what I mean? To make my own art. Um, 
I think I, I think I did that thing where I went on the brain train. No, you're, no, you're good. You're, you're flowing. You're flowing. I'm feeling I'm right there with you. So you said something very important. And I've talked to other Micah, former Micah alumni. And you said about how you worked the phone calls, the other extra stuff. How did you figure out the, the pricing? Because that's something that probably, do they teach that at Micah? Do they teach how to break down financially, yeah. how to do this business thing, the business as the art game? It was all trial and error. Like I taught myself. Um, and like I said, like something goes weird with a client, you feel kind of taken advantage of or something like that early on. And then you think, okay, what do I need to put in place for next time? So like after that, I would never talk money in person. Um, you know, a friend says, oh, I like that. I want to buy it or, or, you know, a random potential client. And well, how much would it be if I want this many paintings? And no matter how well I know them, I just say, let me email you my price list. And so I have what I want to get paid. And then there's no pressure on them. They have options. If it's more expensive than they think it's going to be, they can go up with a smaller piece. Um, and it takes the, you know, uncomfortable part of discussing money. You know, I won't feel obligated to give a discount, you know, when I'm just sending it to them, they make the decision in their own time and place. So like, that's something that I learned about pricing. And then it was just gradual, like on every price list, I have an expiration date. So that say I get like a magazine cover and something blows up and I can't guarantee those prices to whoever emailed me three years ago, you know what I mean? So they know it's going to expire on June 30th and this is their chance to put a deposit on this price list. And if I haven't really booked up a lot, I'll let it roll. Um, but every six months or so, I sometimes I make it a if I'm really things are happening, I'll say it expires in three months, but um, it gives me time to reevaluate. Um, I never go back. That was one thing that I learned. Like if you want to normally galleries create the value for artists and I'm doing it myself. So if I jump up to this pay grade and I'm not getting any clients, it's not fair to the one or two people who pay that price, you know, to go back because I misstepped or I got overambitious at that time with my pricing. Um, so what I did, I, I bartended pretty much the whole entire time I was building up my business, even when I was making, you know, enough money that I could live off of just to make sure, okay, it's not, it's not going to slide. I'm steady at this pace. Now I'm going to increase my prices again. Um, and I got to a point after I'd been doing it for 10 years, a couple of years ago, um, when I was really busy and I just thought, I'm gonna like increase my prices by 50%, like a huge, huge increase. And I sent um, an email to all my clients and I just said, hey, if you put a deposit before December 31st, you get this price, but there's gonna be a steep increase. And so I made, that, that like booked me up. Like I got so booked, it was at the lower rate, but then when my high prices came out, you know, people wanted to get on my wait list and they see it, there's a year wait, you know, so they're like, oh, well, let me get in now, you know, and that kind of, you know, you just kind of have to, it's kind of like, not a game, but I don't know, you try things, figure it out, you see what works, but, you know, I couldn't raise them buy that much and then go back on it. So I had to be ready to, to jump and know that I, things were happening and like, I was going to be able to keep those prices. And it's been, I mean, 
I cut back to like two days bartending and because for a while I was working at least 40 hours at a job and then I'd come home and I'd paint for 40 hours even before I was making any money. I mean, I think that's one day I just decided if I want this to be my job, I got to treat it like a job before it is. I have to commit to it, be in the studio every day, even if I'm not selling anything, you know, because that's when you develop your work, you know, and it gets it out there and people start seeing it and keeps the, you move towards your goal, you know, even if you don't know when it's going to explode, you know. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you. There is something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, carryout, and delivery, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Harper Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. I love that. I love hearing that. That that's behind the scenes. I love hearing that. That that's really really dope. That uh, that you gave us a, a sneak peek behind the scenes. Out there. I think <laughs> that was really really cool to hear. So, the next question would be, tell the audience about your artwork. Like, what is your personal art style, and then what is the artwork you're doing? separately from that because you say you you like doing stuff on vacation if you could do it but what is your artwork and what's your artwork style um so I also paint portraits for myself what I there's a lot of patterns in my work um so what I do sometimes is I'll actually build a set like I'll hang fabric to look like wallpaper and I'll put plants and I'll borrow some furniture if I have an idea and I don't own something that looks like that. And I create this little like set and then I pick models, um, either friends or I'll scroll through Instagram and find people in Baltimore who have a certain look I have in mind. And then um, I'm like, I send them a message like I'm not a creep <laughs> looking for models and show them my work, you know, and um, I give them wardrobe, I dress them up and then I do a photo shoot. So it's almost like art direction. Um, you know, I'm like, like I'm thinking of the scene as like an editorial in a magazine. Like, what do I want everything to look like? I create it, I shoot it, and then I do paintings from that. Um, and then my clients or my commissions, it all depends on the client. Some people say, do whatever you want. Some people say, you know, I want some pattern. I want it to seem like yours, but they want it to fit it within their own decor. So we keep it maybe a little bit more simple. Um, and because lots of times they don't have everything available to do the shoot. And I'd say only a couple of people have done that. Um, they'll send me a clear, because I, I work with clients all over the world. So they'll send me a, a clear headshot or so they have to be sitting in the pose wearing the clothes they want, but I can Photoshop the scene. So they'll say, you know, I want a pattern wallpaper. I want some big palm trees. And so I'll, I'll like, find you know clip art images or whatever and I make like a collage photo reference and I show it to them and they say no I want the wallpaper to be more orangey so I'll like go find other samples and then once we finally get it together I did they agree on it it has to be actually had one of these phone calls last night where they wanted like a different kind of leaf on the plant like these minor details but they're getting a significant painting so 
it's worth having that all, we had it all worked out and I'm emailing, I'm editing the photos as we're talking on the phone and, and I'm emailing them. And finally they said, that's one. And so I'll start the painting. So theirs will be a lot more like a piece that I would make um, for a gallery. Wow. Folks, you're getting behind the scenes, <laughs> behind the scenes exclusives here. Wow. That, 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 and now, now, how did you get into portrait drawings? Like, how did you like, was that your, was that your thing in college or did you start off that way? Or I know a lot of artists start off one way, then they go to a different way. I mean, I've done different things, but um, I did in college, I was doing lots of portraits. Okay. Um, I didn't really, I pretty much exclusively paint now. Um, I didn't really paint in college. I was a commuter. So like carrying oil paints back and forth was a pain in the butt and uh, I took the two classes I had to. So most of my actual painting skills have been self-taught in the past like 13 or so years. Um, but I, I mean, I got the skills to, you know, measure proportion and stuff through drawing a lot in school. Um, and portraits, I just, like I, I said, I used to be kind of shy or like quiet and shy. So like I would always people watch and I'd see people and I daydream about painting them. Like it was, you know, I think, oh, it'd be cool. Like, especially people like all in one kind of scene and all in another kind of, scene, you know, like different looks. And I would, I would just, I worked at a little shop in Elegant City and I would just like watch people and, you know, daydream about painting them. And um, yeah, I just kind of always did that. And I, but I did a lot of self portraits then because I was like quieter at that time. And then later I just started painting all the people I met in Baltimore. Uh, my first portrait show, I painted people all at bars that I worked at, and like musicians and stuff. Um, yeah, and I just, it's interesting to meet people. Um, I get to meet people all the time, like some the local clients, and I've had a couple of clients actually fly me to where they want me to do the photo shoot, so I've had them fly me out and, um, some of them will be like lifelong friends, you know, like it's a party with some of them, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. That's, that, that's dope. That is really dope. Well, then I'll skip around. So, all right, well, I'll skip around. So collaboration wise, what's one of the coolest collaborations you've ever done? Um, well, one that was really cool that I did a couple of years ago, I was hired to paint a mural in um, Kamala Harris's presidential, um, headquarters for her campaign when she was running for president. Um, her campaign headquarters were in Baltimore. Um, and so they had me paint a 19 foot mural in the, it was pretty much like office looking space and they wanted some something to give it some life. So I created a 19 foot mural and she I, she's in the center and it's like all different people. Um, they were all people I knew, but because of like, so we didn't have to do background checks on everybody. I had to like change their features, which was kind of funny. Um, and that was cool just to be in the middle of see what campaign headquarters were like, you know, and I was just a contractor there, but I, I made connections there, like not just work connections, but like friendship connections. I still talk to the woman who ran the whole thing. Um, and it's, it's just cool to know people like that, you know, in a different realm. Um, I didn't get to meet Kamala because the day, they couldn't ever tell us when she was gonna be there. And she was in town and they texted me because they we were gonna have our photo taken with Mural. Um, and I was actually on my way to BWI to fly out to meet a client in Denver. So I didn't, I met her husband, I met her sister. Um, but that was a really neat experience for sure. Um, and I just did a collaboration with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra 
and I painted um, Maren Alsop, who is their conductor who's retiring. Um, so I get to meet her and ask, I asked her, you know, because they're like, they're holding, she holds the baton and there's these like fierce looks pointing their fingers at it, the, at the musicians. And I was like, do you ever feel like a wizard? <laughs> she, was, she was laughing, but uh, yeah, so it's, I get to meet so many cool people. So how did, how did they find you? How did Kamala Harris group find you? Like, how does that even happen? She, um, let's see. So that one, there was, they had like kind of a headhunter in Baltimore. Everything had to, it was all like NDAs, you know, just to, for security, you know. Um, so they had someone who was finding them places to stay, finding them the location for the offices. And that person recommended me. Um, I got that. And then actually the BSO one, I was, this was as much of an honor as um, getting the job, but Amy Sherald actually recommended me for the BSO job. Um, I guess she'd worked with them in the past and they contacted her and she said, you should check out this artist, Darren Fitzpatrick. And I was like, whoa, they said, they were like, you came highly recommended. So wow. that was pretty awesome. That's big, um, that's big time. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But mostly it's Instagram. Like I've worked with Airbnb, um, a farm magazine, a, a bunch of things like that. And it's all Instagram. IG, IG. So yeah. I know you said you told this story a million times. I know you have. I know you said, but <laughs> I know. when you told me this one story, I went back to a couple of my friends. I was like, you will never believe what I just heard. <laughs> and they were like, that's dope. Her story is dope. Like, cause I have a whole different audience, the whole different audience that. Right. I can tell it again. And if I, I, I was, I was going to beg you, I was going to beg you, like, Hey, do you mind for <laughs> time? But please tell us the story that you told me about how you were like, I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it, make it do what it do. Tell us, tell a story. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give away anything. Let you tell a story. The no picks after dark podcast is proudly sponsored by Maggie's farm. Located at 4341 Hartford Road, Maggie's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-awarding cuisine from falafel to scallops and everyone's favorite honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday and serving brunch Saturday 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials as well. Well, I was, so it was a Wednesday afternoon and I was working on a mural at, it at the time and I'm walking and I had to buy a ticket for an event the following week in New York. And I'm like, at, I'm at a stoplight and I'm looking at my phone and I see Martha Stewart is going to be there on Tuesday, the following Tuesday. So like in a few days. Um, and I thought, well, if I'm going to go up to this event, I'll go on the day when Martha Stewart's there. That could be weird, you know, like, let's do it. So I buy my ticket and I'm walking a little more. And then I think if I'm going to go and she's there. I should make her a painting, you know, and I walk a little more and I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to paint one of her pets because I only have, I have to finish this mural that I'm working on at jury duty the next day. Painting has to dry for 24 hours and I have to be on a train Tuesday morning. So there's like no time in between. I'm thinking I'll do a pet portrait. Those are a little faster. And then I thought, no, I get, I get a chance to be in front of Martha. I'm going to make something cool. And then I got the idea I would do her and Snoop Dogg because it's just like the best combo. Um, so I went home that night. I 
made my reference image. I found pictures of them. I gave them a bunch of patterns. So it looked like my work, like distinctly like my work. And I basically didn't sleep for four days and I made this painting. Luckily, I mean, sometimes I struggle through paintings. You get the little hard spots, you know, but um, luckily it was smooth. I think it was like the universe saying, doing the right thing, like keep going, you know, it just, it went in the nick of time. So I get, I get on the train, I get to New York. I go to like this bougie paper shop. I tell them I'm giving this to Martha Stewart today. You know, I get it in this, you know, I want a Martha Stewart bag and tissue, all this stuff. <laughs> I think I spent a hundred bucks on a bag, some tissue paper, but I wanted to, I wanted to do, you know, do it right. Um, and I also had the idea to look up who her PR agent was and just tagged, I tagged a company and her direct agent in the Instagram post. So on the train, I posted it, said, hey, I just did this painting. Um, I don't remember if I said I was taking it there yet, but so anyway, I got to the event. It was super out of place, by the way. Like it was like Birkin bags. It was on the Upper East Side. It was like this, I mean, People were looking at me, I'm carrying all my bags, you know, cause I came off the train, they didn't have a coat check. And, uh, but then it was time for like the book signing. I spend 70 bucks on the book. I, I go up and they see I have bags and they say, well, you can't bring that in. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was trying to be discreet because it was her event, you know, like, I'm not trying to say, look at me, you know, I just thought if this good, if it works, it works. If not, I made a cool painting, you know? And um, so I get, I get there and they see the bag and they see the painting and they said, oh, we've seen this. Everybody in the office has seen it. Martha hasn't seen it. Everybody's seen it. We love it. You can give it to her. And so I'm like, okay. So I go in I had the painting and I walked up to her and I said, I made something for you. And she, she was funny. She said, did you bake me cookies? She has this kind of deep voice. And she's like, did you bake me some cookies? And I laughed and I, I pulled out the painting and she immediately was like, oh, get a picture with me. I got to send this to Snoop right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, my mind's exploding. I, I realized I was acting that out <laughs> and I'm verbalizing. Um, yeah, but, and so I go and I pose with her and we hold the painting up and I leave the room and I come back a little bit later. This, I don't think I even told you this part or maybe I did, um, but I'm just, she was making rosé, like her own rosé. So I'm having a little rosé and she says, oh, there's the artist, there's the artist. And she calls me over. And meanwhile, all these fancy people are in line, you know? And she's like, what's your Instagram handle? I got to tag you. And I'm like, yes. Like it was a dream. It couldn't have I didn't even expect it to go that well. I just thought maybe it would be sitting in her office and one day she'd think, oh, let's put something in one of the magazines or something like that. You know, I didn't think I was gonna get this automatic publicity on her page, you know? And, you know, so the risk was worth it. And like I said, even if it hadn't worked out that way, I made a good painting, you know, and I had that going, but. Yeah, the next day, like my email was going crazy. I was able to raise my prices again. And that was after I raised them by 50%, raised them again. I was like, I was on the news. Like, it, you know, it was just one thing after the other. Um, and that was, you know, I did I, I did that mural I was saying for Kamala and that's awesome to have on my resume. It was an awesome experience for me personally, but nobody could go to the space and see it. And it didn't, you know, nothing was posted at the time. And um, so that wasn't, that seems like it would be the big break, you know, but like this was just something I did on a whim over a couple of days, you know, not sleeping and just 
going for this idea that I had, this wild idea in my brain, you know, and that was the thing, you know, you never know what the thing is going to be. And there's always going to be other things, you know, that work out and don't work out. But yeah, so it, it, it was awesome. <laughs> you know, the thing I love about that story is that we call it, you know, shooting your shot. Like, mm-hmm. You don't know what stone can be unturned. You just don't know. But you wouldn't want to like, you know what, I'm going to make it happen. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's so cool to hear you tell the story because you're like, Martha came over and was like, hey, yo, let's put you on IG right away. Like, that's pretty dope. On her Instagram. It was crazy. It was crazy. Millions of followers. I remember, like, Martha reinvented herself with Snoop again. So yeah. she introduced herself to a whole different audience of people. So then, mm-hmm. like, just to have that so kudos to you so when you when you when she i did the ig who was the first person you called after that like who was the first person you was like oh my god i don't remember but i was going nuts i was like outside you know i posted it my stories like the picture of us together and you know so i'm getting all these messages like right away from my friends and I think I, I called my dad, I think, like, you know, I was just like, I was freaking out, you know, it was, it was pretty, it, like I said, I couldn't have dreamt it to go that well. Um, and that's the thing, like, if you think about like, what could go wrong, you know, and like, oh, I don't have time to do this work could be the first thing, or they're not going to let me in, you know, I don't fit in, in this place, like, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable, but it didn't matter because then I was like, the dude, you know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't, you just kind of, if you think about those things, you stop yourself, you know, but like, if you think the possibilities here are beyond what I can even imagine, you know, and it might go one way, it might go the other way, but why not be open to that? Like, that's when like magic stuff happens, you know? I mean, so like, what was, if you can tell us, like when you were, your, your IG's blowing up, you're getting DMs, you're getting emails, were people at that point, like people from or people all around the world were contacting you at that point? Or was it overwhelming for you at that point in your career? Like, I got I was already pretty busy. I mean, like I was, this was, I think right before the Kamala mural, but I was already doing pretty well. Um, so I just sent them, same thing I tell everybody, this is my wait list. This is how, so I work out the language um, ahead of time. So I'm not individually writing every single word over and over again when I sent emails so like I just worked out the language like um, my next availability is for painting to begin in this month or I, sometimes I just say a season if I'm not sure how long things are going to take um, and I let them know if they want to hold that spot they give me a deposit now and kind of give them the rundown I also tell them a little about just to reassure them that I'm not going to disappear like how we'll have contact over the year um, so I just sent out, and then I, if they ask a specific question, I always, I always personalize it, but I had all the information and I just sent them the same thing that I would send anyone. Um, yeah. And it was, it's, that's, I've learned time savers like that, you know, but it was, I had, I had a handle on it. Wow. So how far out are you right now, as far as just, just getting things, getting like projects coming up? I need to check my book, but I think like some, like a year, like I've been about that's been normal around that time. I probably went up to like 14 months, a little bit longer than a year, but um, next summer is like my next availability. Wow. That, that, wow. Wow. That, that I mean, 
it took a long time to build it up. Like I had people reach out to me, especially on Instagram a lot, and they want to know the secret trick. And I'm like, you know how many tricks I've been pulling for the past 15 years? And it's like every, like I said, you don't know which thing is going to be the thing or like, like who talked about you to who who put your name, you know, you, I've gotten jobs from the craziest places. Like (laughs) I had, I got, I did a job in New York for this woman who heard a song and she used Shazam to see who the artist was. Right. And then she Googled the artist and a painting I had done of him came up. Like this, like create, like, you know, I, I met him in LA and I painted, I painted him and that was the thing she saw. And then I got a job from her, you know, cause she heard a song and she zammed it. So like the places things come from are all over the place and you have to plant seeds everywhere. That's like the vibe of, you know, what you are going for. Like I've sent press or kind of like press kits to interior designers who use a lot of pattern because I know that they're looking for art, like my, my art. And I spent a whole lot of money to have these kits made and it's super professional. I only got one job out of it, but it was a great, great job. And some of the interior designers follow me. So that could happen again, you know, the job way paid for what I put into it, you know? So I, I just tell people, and lots of times it's people who've been doing it for a year and they're frustrated that it's not happening yet. And I'm like, you just, you keep going and if it's something that you have a real passion for and you're not just trying to make money, you're not going to stop even if you're broke. You know what I mean? Like you're going to keep doing it. So if, if you don't have that drive, this might not be the thing for you, you know, as far as where your income comes. This week, Old Bay is sponsoring Baltimore's Summer Restaurant Week to get folks out and enjoying great food and playing the great Old Bay crab hunt. You should join in the fun too. I, I love what you just said right there, you were like, I mean, you dropping jewels and gems right now. <laughs> I tell this to a lot of my a younger audience, you know, you know, cause we get a lot of people get caught up in that social media fame. Okay. Mm-hmm. I always tell people things are not what they seem on social media. You can't, you can only take, I'll take 50% of it. And I'm like, all right, some of it's here and that's there. Yeah. What people don't realize is the work you put in before this happened. The 15 years you just said that you worked hard, you mm-hmm. odd jobs, you're taking any job because you just, you just don't know. And I do that with my show. I tell people like, you never know who's reaching out. You never know who's listening. You never know who could be out there and say, hey. It's wild where stuff comes from. And that's, and I'll, I'll give you an example. One of my sponsors, kind of just like your story, reached out on an email and, and I'm like, who are these people? Leave me like, and I ignored it. You're like, hey, you know, and they're out of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. They had a Baltimore connection, but I never, if I would just be like, you know what, this email, I'm leave it alone. But then they were like, no, we have Baltimore writers. We want you because we've looked you up on Google. We found you, best of Baltimore. We found you. We want you. And I'm like, how did this even happen? Right. And imagine how many emails I'm, I can, I can only imagine how many emails you get <laughs> from people like, hey, I need this job. And you're like, I don't know which one to answer. And so <laughs> what I've done now is I try to my best to answer every email and just say, hey, how you doing? I'm really busy right now. I can't get back to you, but please let me know what you're thinking. I can get back to you maybe in a couple of weeks, you know? So right. I just love that you said that because I think a lot of people, you know, it doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen like right away. Some people, magically it happens, but- I have a friend who like basically went viral overnight and he's like, just created a line for Target, you know, like, I mean, it does that 
kind of thing happens, but you know, everybody has their own path. And like, I have, a, you know, a fraction of those followers, but it's what I need. You know, I, I find my clients there, you know, it's, it's worked for me and you don't, if you're going for followers and not for creating something that is like genuinely meaningful to you, then, you know, it's all a facade anyway. So then that goes back to what you're saying about social media. So you, you just have to have a passion. I love it. I love it. So where's the farthest you've traveled to sell your art or to work with first night art for artwork? Um, I mean, usually I ship it, but I mean, it's, I have art all over Europe, um, in Australia. I'm probably on every continent, not Antarctica, obviously, but um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of everywhere. Um, mostly I work within the U S because, you know, international shipping can be expensive, but, um, I have a lot of clients in London, um, Switzerland. I mean, all, really all over the place. That's, that's awesome. And that's all Instagram. Wow. From Instagram. Wow. Now, you did a really cool painting portrait of Diaper Dan. And that oh, yeah. was dope. I saw that. Take us behind that. How they find you? They find you through IG? Uh, or? That one, actually, I just did on my own because I like him. It wasn't, every now and then I'll do a celebrity painting if I have a little spare time. And it's, they, people, because they know who the person is, they respond to it well on Instagram and stuff. So I, I just did one of those for fun. And then I had the idea, it was kind of like the Martha Stewart thing. You know, I, I was, I thought, well, I wonder if I can give it to him. And I just reached out. I found his assistant and I showed him a picture of the painting and he said, oh yeah, like, you know, we'd love to have it. And they told me I've been, this was right before COVID. So I hadn't taken them up on it, but they said I could come to the atelier and you know, check it out, have a private tour. And I was like, okay, so I need to cash in on that. Cause that's a, it's, I mean, he's so cool. That's, that's dope. That is dope. That is really, really cool. Yeah. I, I am again, thank you so much for taking us through the journey of like huh. what you've done and whatnot. So this is what we call my favorite part is a speed round. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. So what's your favorite museum, art museum to go to? I like the visionary museum in Baltimore because it's just kind of wild, you know, it's, it's people with wild brains. Um, and it's not work that I've seen so many times. What artist, dead or alive, would you want to work with? Um, I really like Nicolene Thomas and, and Matisse, and they both do similar things. Like the paintings come off the canvas, they come into their environment. They both work with a lot of textiles like I do. Um, they both use lots of different cultural influences as far as like where the textiles are from. The work becomes installation, which is something I'd like to do, both of those, I'd say. Okay. So do you think Old, Old Bay hot sauce or Frank's red hot sauce? Wait, wait, say it again. Old Bay hot sauce. Old oh, Frank's. Frank's. Okay, Frank's. Crabs or crab cakes? Crabs. Flats or drums for chicken wings? Flats. Blue cheese or ranch? Um, either. I like extra hot with no sauce, but like sometimes I'll do blue cheese. If it's real hot, I'll do blue cheese. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to do when you're not working? 
Um, I work all the time. So see my friends, if I can do that. I like to, I mean, I read a lot. I walk around Baltimore. It seems I'm not thinking that big right now because I've been in this bubble, but um, I mean, I love to travel and getting ready to do some major traveling soon. Um, yeah. What is the best advice you've ever received? Um, I was thinking about that one and I, I don't get a lot of advice. I think I seek out what I want to, you know, what I need to hear. But um, one time I was at a bar and I was talking to an older artist who's successful and he was looking at my paintings, this is maybe 10 years ago. And he was like, you're, you're a really good painter, but you need to push it. You know, it needs to go somewhere. And I said, all my time is spent, you know, doing commissions. And he said, sleep less. And I, I just stuck with me. That's like one thing I always remember because he wasn't just saying, don't get any sleep, don't take care of yourself. But he was saying what I was saying before is how important is this to you? You know, like, are you willing to be uncomfortable, you know, or do you, is it just a hobby? You know, like how much is this in your gut? You know, that this is what you have to do. So if you just never sleep, you never sleep. And, you know, but that's, I think what his point was. And I completely agree with that, you know. That is dope advice. That is real dope. I like that. I like that. Yeah. And where can we find you on social media and like to follow you? Are you, are you doing TikTok um, drawing? Are you doing TikTok now? Or, and that's the You know, I, I screwed up majorly with TikTok. Let me tell you this. I get so many, you know, I don't do influencer stuff and I get a lot of those kinds of emails, you know, and TikTok actually reached out to me to be one of their like first people. And I, I guess I signed up, but I forgot all about it. So then TikTok blew up and I'm trying, my handle is always Fitzbomb, F-I-T-Z-B-O-M-B. And I tried to get Fitzbomb. I'm like, who the heck took Fitzbomb? That's me. And I looked it up and it was my picture. And then I remembered this woman reaching out to me and I thought, man, I really, <laughs> really, you know, messed up there. But, you know, TikTok isn't, it's a it's a time suck you know I just I don't even I don't even mess with it anymore there's an account out there with like maybe 10 videos but I I post my things on social media I scroll for a real short time and then I'm usually off of it that's a habit I've broken because it's it's a time suck okay so where, where on IG can we find you and Facebook I'm, I'm Fitzbaum on on Instagram too okay okay and if anybody wants to buy any of your, you have any, do you have any art that's out there for sale right now? Or are you just on demand? Or do you have any like throwback art where you're like, eh, let's put it out there and see what happens? I do um, right now on sachiart.com. But so I'm moving. Should I say that? <laughs> tell that part. I, I, we don't got to tell the people that, but you, you, you make it, you're making moves. You're making moves. Yeah. Yeah. So the work will be in storage and it won't be available to ship for a while. Okay. Um, so yeah. So until it'll be available till like the end of July on Sachi Art, and then it it'll be only available as prints. Got you. And how and people? How can people get a hold of you if they're like, oh, I I want to. You know, I know you're booked until next summer, but say if they want to be like, oh, I want to be in line. How would they get a hold of you? Email, um, which is aaronfitzbaum at gmail.com. But also, there's a in my bio on Instagram. Um, there's an email link. I really tell people don't DM me. I mean, if that's the only way they can get me, DM me. But if I post the story and 50 people send a reaction, you know, they're 
their DM gets lost. I've, it's taken me weeks to find people's DMs, but I don't have time to return it right away. And the information, it's too much to send there. So I have to email them anyway. Anyway, that's a long oh, <laughs> convoluted explanation, but email. I like, I like, I like your thinking. You know, that makes sense to me. That really does. Again, thank you so much. It's Aaron Fitzpatrick for coming on the No Picture Dark show. This was a dope interview. I, I'm, I'm so excited for this to come out. Don't know when it's going to drop, but folks, you're going to want to sit here and listen to everything. This is nothing but fire out here. Any, any last words you want to say before we head out? I don't know. Have a wild summer. <laughs> All right, then. Well, folks, love, peace, and happiness. We're out. <laughs>